It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. How are you, Jeff? I'm great, Scott. And Father Christian Rab. Hello, hello. Um southern indiana joining mm-hmm. us today oh good old father crab always good to be here what's the what was your high school nickname moose moose <laughs> moose <laughs> did they move moose. it moose. I, was, I was a big toddler and uh <laughs> and so that that actually that nickname was from my top i can't believe i'm saying this on on national broadcasting uh oh, well. you know but uh i was uh, a very large toddler and so my family gave me that nickname but it was known by all my friends and so that kind of people who had i'd been in school with since first grade still you know that just continued that's so great my brother-in-law's nickname is moose mm-hmm. also but his last name is Helmuth, and so uh, people yeah. just strung it down to muth and then moose moose but it's like they're saying moose but not with a lisp moose moose <laughs> it's a a good nickname i mean yeah i like being outside so do moose (laughs) better than if you they just stuck with big toddler (laughs) exactly and now you really like the like the prey so it's oremus oremus wow (laughs) that is a really spectacular good work all right that was good didn't get better than that two minute drill all right (laughs) all right it's for sure not going to get better here. Uh, 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, we start off with a reading from Malachi. And the Lord is speaking here and talking. And I don't know. I got a little lost in what's going on here. But I think he is making it clear to these, uh, to the people that he is speaking to, that uh, he's the O-Priest. That's the his audience here. That essentially like their job is to give him glory and to worship him. And he should be the only father. And if not, we get, we for sure get old Testament God here. He's going to send out a curse. He is going to uh, void the covenant uh, of Levi. He is going to, he's just really going to bust heads here. Um, Making it very clear that if we, if they break from this, relationship they break from this promise then they're breaking the covenant of their fathers and they're violating uh this thing the response of the psalm then in you lord i have found my peace it's nothing hmm. it's not total not really a mumbler like i think people remember it but like there's nothing nothing to just really get you, me- you know what's going to trip people up on that psalm Ooh. Th- there's no o lord and you oh lord yeah, yeah it's did just, i say oh you, no but you know there's going to be people saying in you yeah. oh lord in you oh and the, lord, and the other half I is going to be saying in you lord 
In you, just, oh Lord, I found my peace. I'm just saying, um, this weekend, half the parish will be doing one thing and half the parish will be doing the other. Oh Lord, or oh Lord. Uh-huh. Nice. I'd like I can't wait to hear your uh your survey afterwards. Yeah, like how many thought it was oh Lord? <laughs> that's your that's your whole homily this week. All right. Uh the second reading then is uh as I was reading the second readings from First Thessalonians, uh, I was getting very lovey-dovey vibes uh, in here. And then I wrote lovey-dovey all the time, which I thought Father Krishna would get my reference. Do you? You got to make the noise then. Well, it's kind of like, that's a little. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. more like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. You don't get it? Love it, dove it, love it, dove it, love it, dove it all the time. Oh, yeah. I've heard that song before. Well, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. False. Or Steve, Steve Miller Band. Oh, Steve Miller Band. That's my bad. It's okay. Let's keep but going. That's embarrassing. Let's delete this. Can we edit? Yeah, let's. we'll just edit this out. Got it. Thanks. Make a note that at four minutes and 27 seconds, we'll edit that out. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. She's not gonna, it's not happening. She's going to come to us later and be like, do I have to edit that? anyway uh in this uh paul is speaking to well paul and his crowd and his crew are speaking to the thessalonians and they're talking about how um they treated them gently they were gentle they were like a nursing mother caring for them they showed the affection um they were they were there to share their hearts and to, and to take care of them um in that they work night and day not to burden them but to just bring the Lord to them. And because of this, they give them thanks and, and show this unceasing love that God has brought to them. Amen. I don't know. I was, Hallelujah. these, these Hallelujah. readings, we've had some really clear readings last week. And then I, I, I was a little lost today. It may just be my brain, but our gospel reading then, uh, the gospel comes from Matthew 23, one to 12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe the, all the things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher. You are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you will be my, must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All right. So, Father Christian, what? How? How wide should our phylacteries be? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I feel I, like I want to apologize. Like, that might be my worst two. One, <laughs> one cubit. One cubit. <laughs> two cubits. Seventy times seven <laughs> phylacteries. I have no idea. All right. 
How much yeah. are you going to focus on phylacteries? In your None, life? not at all. Not yeah. at all. Nothing. Other than pronouncing that word, what else did I get wrong here? It was, uh, it was, I can't think of anything specific that you got wrong. <laughs> it was just mid. <laughs> I tuned out and cannot you, remember anything. You can't think of, I can't think of one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> Oh goodness! <laughs> All right, are you? What are you preaching on this weekend? Um, I'm going to talk. I think about. <clears throat> the, I just see, I feel like these readings are all about bad religious leadership, um, mm-hmm. and so I mean the first reading he's talking Malachi. I mean he says that you know he's talking to the priests, and so and their problem is that they're not glorifying God. Um, when he get to the gospel, Jesus, this is one of the times that he's really going after the religious leaders of his time, the Pharisees. And they have, you know, they have a few different things that Jesus is not happy with them about. Uh, one is that they are really laying burdens upon the people. Um, and, you know, and, and who knows? I don't know exactly what he's referring to here, but I think this is comes up more than once and and just that jesus really feels that the pharisees of his time have they raise a lot of anxiety uh by the way they interpret the law and uh and jesus is criticizing them for that the way they increase people's burdens um and interestingly right when you look at at the letter of saint paul one of the first things he says is that i'm not here to increase your burdens, you know? So the problem that Jesus is pointing out is leaders who increase people's burdens, raise people's anxieties. Um, none of they seem to be out for their own vain glory. They're not pointing to God. Um, Paul's the opposite. You know, he's, he came to do, to deliver the gospel. So he's not here to increase burdens, but he's here to, to deliver the good news. And then uh, of course the overarching problem for the Pharisees is that they're, their interior and their exterior don't match. So they, they, they do a lot of good things, but they're doing them for vainglory and that they, they are not in fact, internally uh, attuned to God or even focused on God. They're focused on other things. So I think you kind of get these three problems, I would say of, of hypocrisy, vainglory and increasing other people's burdens. Um, And so that is what my, when I look at the readings, that's what strikes me about them. But it is interesting because it's, I feel like the readings are really pointed at the religious leaders. Um, and so then it's like, well, what, what do you say to the people in the pew about, about these readings? Hmm. Um, and, and I, I think you could go a couple directions. I mean, one is just to recognize that, you know, we all have you might say a religious leader inside of ourselves. Um, and so I think we can ask, why are we doing the things we're doing? Uh, why, why are we even doing the Christian thing? You know, what is our motivation? And is it, is it uh, to point to ourselves? Is it to draw attention to ourselves? Is it, uh, out of scrupulosity or anxiety is it um or is it for some other reason 
you know, and, and if we were to go back, of course, just one week ago to the readings, the gospel from uh, this previous Sunday was love God, love neighbor. And so I think you get a nice contrast between what is, what is the true motivation for religious observance and then what is the false? And the false is anxiety, hypocrisy, vainglory. The true motivation, of course, is love of God, love of neighbor. So I think that's what I'll probably focus on. Um, yeah. Unless I really get an inspiration and uh, want to <laughs> talk maybe also in the context of the homily just about the, this tragedy and sadness of poor religious leadership, you know, and that uh, that is something that as Catholics, we, we live with and how can we, how can we live with that? Um, how do we maintain our faith? How do we maintain our hope? Um, and that, that's something I may also bring into my homily. Yeah. Never an easy one. No, it's a terribly difficult one. Yeah. 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 No, but one that, that needs to be that if we don't talk about, if we don't talk about it within the proper mm -hmm. perspective, if we don't hear it spoken about mm. from the pulpit, then it's going to be talked about elsewhere. Sure. Sure. Narrative or, you know, yeah. spins on it. Very true point. Yeah. So it is hard, but I put it right there with like having to ask for tithing. Like it's not easy, but yeah, it does need to happen. It needs to happen. Yeah. I'm not saying you should do that, but. <laughs> well, it it's, you know, what I think Jesus is attacking here is the same thing that we hear a lot from Pope Francis, which is, it's, it's really against clericalism, you know, and, and clericalism is so toxic and disruptive for the church it really is and uh i think the the person's out for vainglory the person who's out for um who is a hypocritical person we're, we're, we're we kind of we know what that's all about I, I am kind of intrigued by this this concern that you see here in the gospel about the person who's out to increase other people's burdens and uh I think that's something we don't honestly hear enough about um, that, that religious leadership can not share, not focus enough on the good news. And, uh, and, but of course, in that, then part of good, that part of that good news is, is both also a living testimony, how you live. Uh, but, you know, that instead of really giving people good news, you you increase their burden. You make the you you the homily every week is is about making people feel anxious, as if as if their level of anxiety is going to be a good way, is going to be a, a an effective motivation for them to actually, you know, change the way of their life. But it live, but it doesn't work. What's an example of what we were talking about? Oh, you don't want me to get specific. <laughs> That's not true. That's why. Yeah. Well, um, I think sometimes people make up rules that aren't there. And to me, that that is uh, that is an example of increasing people's anxieties. So if father has a particular liturgical preference hmm. and tells everybody that this is what the church teaches, this is what you need to do. Uh, this is this is what it means to be Catholic. But in actuality, 
what he's giving you is a preference. It's not actually what the church teaches. It's, it's just something that he has come to a personal conviction about. To me, that's increasing people's anxieties because now you're, you're giving them a rule that doesn't in fact exist. And now people are going to be worried about fulfilling that rule. Hmm. Where does the, the line like between being a parish community and like praying as a community versus the way that I want to pray, like the personal, like personal devotion within a liturgical sense, or does the meaning of liturgy mean community in tandem? Um, do I know exactly what you're asking? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was too broad of a question. Are you, I think you're saying at what point do we balance like our own personal preference and yeah. style of prayer, especially within community worship versus yeah. is that right. what you're saying? Versus yeah. Like, yeah. Somewhat like, yeah, I think, I mean, if, if the pastor obviously has an obligation to try to create unity and in the context of liturgy, like things like unity of posture actually do matter. But I think it, it's important that a person communicate what he's asking for in the right way mm -hmm. so, that, so that he can say, here's the value that's underlying this. And here's why I as pastor would like for us to do it this way. But I'm not, I can't, if, if in fact, this is not a rule, uh, you know, a, one should not present things as requirements that are not in fact requirements. Gotcha. Our abbot used to say, don't be holier than the church. And uh, <laughs> I think that's very, that's a great statement. Uh, yeah. That one hits in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm for that. I'm for not, you know, it's, I think it's good to challenge. You can challenge people to go above and beyond, but you shouldn't present it things that are as obligations or requirements that are not in fact. I so. think that, you know, we've been talking a lot you're an avid listener of the show so you've heard but we've been asking priests like their advice for you know new priests but i think this is kind of a good example of that is like as people change assignments and end up in a place and i think oftentimes there can be this tumultuous mm -hmm. you come in after maybe after somebody who has taken their own personal preference and made that the mm -hmm. the standard mm -hmm. um and then when and then if a priest and then a priest comes in and says well no, we're going to do this instead and gets looked at as the bad guy maybe, or, mm -hmm. or how do you do that without making your predecessor look bad by saying, but I think what you were just describing there makes sense to, to be open and honest and just say like my role in, is, is to celebrate the Eucharist. And this is the best mm -hmm. way for me to do this. And mm -hmm. some of the preferences I have, but I want to do this so I can celebrate in the most pure way for you. Mm -hmm. I've heard priests say that before. Even in even using that as kind of an explanation, like they've they've said that with like a piece of the celebration of the, of the liturgy that they're doing that like I don't necessarily agree with. Like when we were when I was at Ron Colley, we had a a priest who would ask everybody to stand or to sit during the consecration. We didn't mm -hmm. have kneelers, right? But typically we would stand. Mm -hmm. But this person would ask everyone to sit. Mm -hmm. it, was it was the strangest thing to me. Mm -hmm. but he was, he explained to everybody like this. I it's distracting to me when you're standing and I need all of my focus mm -hmm. to be here and doing this. So anyway, I thought of that as an example, but I think that's, it's, I always appreciated 
I will, I always appreciate when a priest will say, well, here's why I'm doing this and not why I'm doing it. Cause it's the right way. And it's, yeah, I think to me, it's, it's all in sort of the, the reason you give people better be true. Hmm. Like don't, don't say something's a requirement that isn't, you can Boy. say, I think this is a good idea, or I think this, you know, is something I would like for us as a community to do together, but don't, you know, don't start putting forward things as if they are in the general instruction of the Roman Missal or the Code of Canon it's Law. It's called the germ. Uh, our, the germ. our listeners, yeah. No, yeah. don't worry. Oh, I know. Your listeners know how well I am familiar with that book, too, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is I'm, might be the least familiar of everybody here. I don't know uh, that you have. Probably more show. than me. Um, but uh, the point is, don't don't sort of put things forward as if they are in those things that, and they're not, you know? Yeah. Uh, or if, let's say you have a very favorite devotion, you know, you know, and, and so you start saying, Hey, every, everybody you need to do this, you know, to the church, to your parish. Well, um, no, <laughs> you don't, you know, that's a private devotion father. Uh, you can't, you can't tell everybody in your parish that they need to share that private devotion. It's one thing to invite people. Yeah. Sure. Another to make it feel as if it's yeah a requirement. But... Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the, the first part of what you said you were going to preach on for the gospel, those, oh, yeah. those three, those three things that, you know, primarily are focused on, uh, religious leadership. Then you mentioned that, you know, we can look to the pew and what does that mean? Yeah. just being aware that those might be you know traps what can we do to guard ourselves from falling into those traps the people at home not the religious people yeah um i th i think centering just centering yourself again in in love in last week's in last week's gospel uh that we center ourselves there through our prayer the the practice the theological virtues you make know, it? i, lo I okay. love sorry sorry he had some trouble with his pen oh okay i can help him sorry <laughs> i was uh, fine uh the theological virtues centering ourselves in the theological virtues faith hope and charity um are where we want to continue to return so um and you know there's a great and venerable tradition in the church of making acts of faith or acts of hope or acts of charity. I think that's, that's really good. You know, when you do that, you actually allow those things to increase. Um, so by, the Lord loves to reward our exercise of virtue by increasing it. So if we, if we practice acts of charity, our charity will increase. If we practice acts of faith and acts of hope, they will increase. So I think that's what I would say is, is, getting ourselves centered in those things rather than in vain glory. I'm doing this for attention, you know, um, hypocrisy, hypocrisy or anxiety, anxiety and fear, not, not living out of anxiety and fear. Yeah. Grace builds virtue. Mm -hmm. All right. We're ready for some dumb questions. Yeah. Okay. Did you listen last week, father? I don't think I did. Okay. But... We've got a, we've got a, a good question for you. Okay. Right. I'll let you ask that one. Uh, I had a dumb question written down from last week that we didn't even get to. Okay. Man, did it go off the rails last week? 
Yeah. Oh, who was on it? Who's on uh, Father James? <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't because of him. It was the script. It, it does always end up being <laughs> Father James. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to know who it was Poor so guy. I can go back and listen. You know, oh, it's yeah, easy you, to find. It. Uh, you'll enjoy it. It was a. It was really. We did. We laughed a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we learned some things. Anyway. All right. Well, let's see. If Most, we go number let's, one. You let's don't go want even, to be the Bishop of Orlando. Let's go even further off the rails. Yeah, great. This one is more of a real question. That well, let me start with what you said. The word scrupulosities. Did I? Yeah. What is that? Okay. What's that word mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just me being dumb. Like I think I can figure it out, but like, yeah. I was like, oh, he just said that real casually. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, so scrupulosity is is what happens when um, our conscience. Uh, it's actually a kind of it's a disorder of the conscience. So it, it, inside, we're away. what we're getting further away from me understanding. Go oh, ahead. are we? Disorder of the conscience. You don't know what a conscience is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Never had one. <laughs> it's when our conscience is uh, constantly accusing us of not mm-hmm. being good enough. And not doing things good enough. And oh, so I've got one of those. Mm, okay, got it. Yeah. So when we're when we're living out of scrupulosity, we're really living out of a, a kind of internal perfectionism rather than the freedom that the gospel brings. I okay. That's really good. Right, thank you. I'm glad I asked that. Because I did not I had, I thought I had figured it. I did not. That was a way better. Hmm. Man, I feel like I need to take that one. Um all right. Next question. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but break break. Somebody is a communion minister. You sound like me right now. Not trying, yeah. not getting your words out. <laughs> I'm trying to just figure out how to say that. I wrote down breaking hosts. Okay. Like, can we talk about this? Like when we were talking last week, it came up last week because we were talking oh. about NCYC mass and oh. how many hosts you have to have to make sure that, but like when I feel like I grew up in an era where like, if the community minister started to run out of hosts, they just looked back and said, did the math. And they're like, well, I just need to divide these in four. And they would just sit there and crack hosts. But I've since learned you should not do that. Why? But uh, what I was taught, or learned is that like by breaking the host, like you're risking like crumbs of Jesus. Like when you, like when you break it, then then there's crumbs places and they, and it falls that only that, which is why like oftentimes when the priest is handling the host, they don't pull their fingers apart because there may be crumbs in there until they wash their hands. I don't, these are, these might be some of those things we were just talking about here. Father Rule, rules that so, don't exist. Um. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious. I'm curious. I'd, I'd like your thoughts. Um, so, so if you're running low on hosts, you can break hosts. Okay. Uh, even an yeah. extraordinary minister. Mm-hmm. Even there's no difference between a priest and anybody else uh, in terms of whether or not you can break the host. <laughs> you should just left that. So, <laughs> that quote out there. Oh, yeah. I would love to see. Rap. There's no difference between I'd, a priest and everybody that, else. That's what yeah. we're going to put the snippet on the direct. <laughs> This week on, I'll oh. lose my job teaching theology in a <laughs> seminary. Um, no, when it comes to distributing communion, uh, the the hosts uh, 
obviously, yes, it's, it's a nice thing if you count right and you're able to give everybody a host and not have to break them. And one of the reasons would be because you don't want the risk of uh, crumbs and things like that. Okay. But uh, there's no rule against uh, breaking the host. Therefore, it seems to me like maybe a little misleading to say you should not break the host. I think the, I should say, I think the, the implication of it was like pause and go see if there are more hosts somewhere else. Okay. Before making the choice, that sounds to just start snapping hosts. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, that okay. makes sense to me. Yeah. The whole idea of like speed is not our focus here. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Sure. Yeah. It's not. It's not ideal that you have to break hosts. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. was okay. That was good. Thank you. Oh. Uh, next. Next dumb question that I have. Okay. So it seems like as the priest celebrating mass, celebrant of the mass, you have a lot of control control over like the speed at which mass can take place. Correct. So what are those factors that you can like, like, do you make a conscious decision ever where you walk in you're like, I got to get out of here by this time. Like what, what are the, what are the main levers you can pull to fast forward a mass? I think that's funny that you're asking me this question because I really like do think about this oh. uh and, and I, <laughs> I, I would imagine this popped into my head and i was like i would imagine a lot of priests think about this yeah i do i'm not sure that everybody does um but i've been in a couple places where it was really necessary like when i lived in washington dc we would have daily mass at the national shrine and it would be every half hour you which know, national shrine the basilica of the national <laughs> shrine of the immaculate conception got it uh, <laughs> scott <laughs> Scott gets we I don't even want to there's lots of national shrines. Okay. But the, but the people at that one like to say the national, the shrine. national shrine. I love it. Okay. And Fair so Scott enough. always always asks which one for clarification. Yeah. Okay. So to answer your question, um when you're crunched for time, uh you I mean Eucharistic prayer too. That's always first decision you're gonna have to make. Uh, <laughs> this is the shortest one. Um, singing will always extend, so you can cut down the singing. Um, you ever sing faster than you can talk? Hard no. Opposite. So singing will always extend the Even mass. Quick tempo. Okay. Never well, so say you're. It's a Sunday mass though, and there's already music. Do you just mean like? You're starting your procession quick and you're cutting them off after one verse. And no, that. because even as priests, you could decide to sing certain things that you might ah, pop that out of, it. right? So like the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy at the beginning or at the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer, the Lord be with you. If you, if you, if you make that choice, you're, you're adding minutes. And so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you really do think about oh, this. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. You ever accidentally start that, and you're like, "Oh I, man, I have really made a mistake." Well, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I just think that I try to be aware of the time, particularly if there's another mask coming up, and okay. so if there's one coming, I know I have to, I have choices I have to make. So, uh, and then of course the homily, you know. That's a big, big one. And that's probably my biggest temptation 
is to go long in the homily. Uh, and I, and so some priests are really good at, at a quick homily. Um, I'm not as good. I'm not as. What do you think? You're, what's an average homily for you? For me, Length Sunday, Sunday homily, mm-hmm. probably eight to 10 minutes. Hi, uh, man. That's not bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, but also I, like, do you, do you ever account for the fact you're like, right, I'm going to have a long homily. So we're going EP two and I'm not singing. And yes. I'm, for so sure. you'll balance it out for sure. Yeah. And I will sometimes, uh, I, I've cut down since I got to the parish. I used to give like 15 minute Sunday homilies, but I'm in a parish that we have, our masses are actually kind of back to back Sunday morning. We have mass every hour and a half and we have oh wow that is tight yeah and that's not that's barely enough time to get the lingerers out of the well that's the thing is is it's it's not just finishing in an hour it's uh all the things that kind of happen right after mass everybody lines up to say hi to father chris and well no hello father but you're thinking too the people are coming in for the next mass yeah and then a few of our masses they do the rosary before mass Hmm. so you really want to make sure that you know they have time but I'd, okay i feel i feel like we haven't gotten to the big question yet why the one that you got derailed on oh was, yeah, yeah. Uh, can we do that or you got another one no i'm good i was gonna ask your advice for a new priest but i like this one better so let's okay. okay so um did you know that the bishop of orlando is like in charge of the souls on the moon like the moon is in the diocesan boundaries of the diocese of Orlando. I think I heard that one time and I'd forgotten it. Yeah. So that's a thing. Um, And now that like space travel is becoming more consumeristic, like Mm -hmm. say we raise some money and go to the moon, just like out of pure travel. And it happens to be over a Sunday. Will you come and will you celebrate mass on the moon? No. What? what two I, in a row. Two nos? Well, you would, if, deny, you would deny the Eucharist? Wait, well, hold on. I'm backtracking. <laughs> Let me backtrack. I'm presuming that somebody else is available to go. I mean, I'm asking you. Uh, I have no desire to go to the moon. Okay. And I find it actually terrifying, the idea of going. You wouldn't so, be the first person to celebrate Mass on the Moon if you had the opportunity? I I would probably have a panic attack in space, and nobody wants that. You can so. do prayer too. It's fine. Just... <laughs> uh, I think I would I would I would love to celebrate and be happy for whatever priest got that opportunity. I did not. I did not need to be the one to go to. Who the would moon. you like to nominate? To go to the moon? This is what we're going to start I, doing. I, I, I wanna... didn't think we'd get two strikeouts. On I know. That. I want I want to start asking for nominations. Who would you, what priest that you know would you like to nominate to be the first priest to celebrate mass on the moon? To celebrate mass on the moon. Wow. Lunar mass. Um, <laughs> That's like, that's like a, a, a physics term. <laughs> Lunar oh. mass. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, um, <laughs> So, mostly for comedic value, uh, um, I, my 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 confrere, Father Paul Nord, is like a really big guy, 
and I think he would look funny in a spacesuit. So I'm going to go with. <laughs> He also he also kind of has a funny walk, so that would just be exaggerated in space, and uh, I I think that would be very easy. <laughs> so mean, because <laughs> it would be funny looking. Yeah, sure. What's his name? Brother Paul Nord. He's my he's my he's my peer. We're the same age. Um, that minor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Emily, was, if you hear his name, will you look him up and email? Oh, Emily knows who he is very well. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, he's he's a fun person too. The, he would the, the people who went with him on the space flight, they would have a good time with him. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. This episode has been out of this world. Thank Absolutely. You. Not for father though. Yeah, you're stuck here. It's alright cause I'm a separate It's alright cause I'm a separate It's alright cause I'm a separate Sunday